Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to be in the house of God. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to study your word. We thank you for the word of God. It's a light unto our feet, light unto our pathway. We ask you to bless everyone here today as we look into the word of God. We praise you for all things. Bless this entire service. Lord, right on up through the morning service today. Bless all of our Sunday school classes with our children, young people. We ask you, God, to be with them at all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, and greet them in Jesus' name. And then you may be seated. God bless you. What you're looking at on the the, uh, overhead here is a uh, chart that we have been using and about understanding the resurrection. And uh, we finished up our lesson last week, but I'm just going to just give you a final analysis of it. And then I'm going to move into uh, another Bible lesson today. Uh, We're going to go into the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at scriptures and concerning uh, the, uh, the coming of Christ the first time and his birth. This is uh, Christmas, and I've got some very interesting things to pass along to you here in the next few weeks. So I want you to uh, pay close attention. Before I leave this lesson, though, let me just say this, that what we looked at very briefly was the fact that there's the holy, righteous, and the wicked individuals. We talked about that. That's found in the scriptures in uh, Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. And uh, it goes on to say here that that blessed and holy are they that have part in the first resurrection. So if we're in the first resurrection, we're a holy people. There's the holy, righteous, wicked. So the holy will come forth. When we die, body goes to the ground. Our soul and spirit goes back to God who gave it. And it's put in paradise if we're holy or righteous. It's put in your soul and spirit is put in hell until the judgment day. When the judgment day comes, the spirit and the soul is reunited with the body but the body is changed. That's very important for us all to understand. It is changed. It is made into a body like unto his glorified body. And this is very important. So that nobody can ever stand before God and say, well, Lord, uh, I did all that when I was in the flesh and the flesh is all dead and gone. No, no, we'll stand before God. Uh, in the end, they will. In the God, before God in the flesh at the very end of judgment time. Now the resurrection of the church and those that are holy, even those of the Old Testament that were holy, holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. They will be in the rapture. The Bible says, many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise the Lord. And uh, will be in that fashion. And so the rapture will take place and when it does, we so shall we ever be with the Lord. As the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18 tells us about that. And uh, then following the rapture will be the tribulation period, which will be a period about, and I'm guessing, this is a guess, we know at least seven years, possibly 10 years, possibly 14 years, uh, even, even longer, but not much longer. And so it'll be a short period of time. And then following the tribulation period and the Antichrist and all that will be turned loose at that time, there will be the Armageddon that will happen And then there will be a thousand years of peace that will come on the earth. The Lord will come back with his church. He comes for his church here. And then about 10, 14 years later, I'm using that as a round figure, 
He'll come back with his church, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and they shall set a thousand years of peace. Now, the holy will go to the holy city. That's described in, in uh, Revelation chapter 21 very uh, clearly. It's a beautiful chapter. Sometimes when you feel discouraged, listen to me on this. Sometimes you feel a little discouraged. Turn to that 21st chapter of Revelation and let the Lord describe the holy city to you and say, Lord, I'm going through a lot of things, but one day you're going to be with us. Somebody has asked me, and people sometimes do, uh, is heaven really gold, streets of gold, gates of pearl, and all those things? And I always answer, if it's not that, it's something better. Because God used the best in this world to describe it to us if it's a more spiritual thing. And the same thing about hell. Is hell really flames of fire? If it's not, then it's something worse. And it's, if it's a spiritual thing, it's something worse. So whatever God has, it's going to be, it's going to be right. Remember that. He is a right judge and so forth. And then after the thousand years of peace, there's going to be the white throne judgment of God in which God will judge the entire world, everybody who has ever lived from the beginning of time to the end. And he will judge them either righteous or wicked. Hell will give up the dead and, uh, and, and the, uh, all the graves. The Bible says the sea will give up the dead. Everything will give up the dead. And they, they will stand before God and the righteous and the holy Pardon me, the righteous and the wicked will stand before God to be judged. And we've got numerous scriptures here involved in that. I'm sorry, I got the wrong word. Up here, uh, John 5, 38, 39, 28, 29, uh, Matthew 35, 31, 19. Uh, Revelations talks about it, how they will stand before God and God will judge the righteous and the wicked. This is not the church. The Bible says, no, you're not. Ye shall judge the world. So we will sit with the Lord in judgment, not to judge, but to be a testimony. If, if, if somebody says, God, I couldn't live for God in Palm Bay, you don't know what it was like to live for God in Palm Bay in 19, in, 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 pardon me, two, that's a flashback, in 2017. You don't know uh, how, how hard it was. And so nobody could have lived for God. He'll say, oh, yes, I got these, and then he'll have you, these, they live for God, and so you'll be a testimony against them. If they live for God in that year or in that period of time, you could have. And so they will have no, no argument against the Lord. And so the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Righteousness. And then there will be the lake of fire. Hell and, and the grave and everything will be cast into the lake of fire. And, uh, and then, of course, then eternity starts and so forth. Now, this is what we've been talking about, teaching about. We finished that up last week. Uh, there has been a request uh, on uh, your part for me to give you uh, a lesson of our timeline, a chart, that is. And uh, so if you look very quickly, this is a chart of our timeline. Uh, this is a chart showing the beginning of time to the end. This is Adam, the first man, Old Testament, four years, uh, up to Calvary or up to Christ. And then from Christ to the coming of the Lord is going to be about 2,000 years. We're already in 2017. So we know we're close to the coming of the Lord. Then there's going to be a tribulation period. Then Armageddon will happen here. 1,000 years of peace, so forth. And then the things that we've just talked about. 
So you've got 4,000 here, 2,000 here, 7,000 here. These are sort of uh, dispensational days. And uh, just as there were seven days uh, of creation, there'd be seven days of mankind on the face of the earth. And at the end of that, of course, there is the judgment of God. Now, some of you have asked for this chart. This is not the chart I originally gave you. The one I originally gave you was this one. Okay, so I have these available. And if you will, uh, some of you have already received them. So our usher is now going to hand these out to you. I'm only giving these out to you because you ask for them. And some of the people have said to me, Brother Myers, if you can do, last week was Thanksgiving and we were not able to get them together for you for last Sunday. Uh, and the week before I had made the promise to you. So I'm just keeping my promise. Everybody with me on that? Put this in your records, in your file. And I might just say here again, Sister Toops, is she here this morning? God bless you, Sister Toops. Sister Toops is the one who put all this together for me. I drew it out real rough on paper. And she, uh, and then she put all this together by computer and did an excellent job. And I have, I have numerous charts that she put together in this fashion. So what we're giving out is this one, but we are not teaching from this chart today. Not teaching from it. Everybody with me? All right. So take that chart. I'm just giving out, I'm just sort of keeping a promise here that I made to you here a couple weeks ago. All right. I'll leave it up there because I don't have anything to put there in the start of the timeline. Maybe I'll refer to it on something else. All right. God bless you. I'm going to have you. I've got an interesting Bible study for you today. And we are starting a little sort of a mini series, like maybe three or four weeks and we're going to talk to you about the things that lead up to Christmas and the coming of Jesus Christ the first time, the first time. And uh, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to John 5, 39, the coming of Christ. And we're going to talk about prophecies of his prophecies of his first coming prophecies. We're going to talk about things in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to go to the scripture here now. Remember, we're not following anything particularly on this chart. We're just, uh, I've just got it up there. So that uh, this is what we're handing out. Everybody get one. If you want one, if you don't want one, you don't have to take one. It's, a, it's just something that we've, uh, we've got available here. All right. I want you to go with me, if you would, please, to, uh, to the book of uh, John 5. Go to John 5 for a moment. And uh, this was a time when Jesus was debating with those Pharisees and Sadducees. Excuse me. We're happy to have Brother Sister Boyd with us. God bless them. Brother Boyd is a member of the district board, has been for a long time, and one of our key men on the district board. We appreciate you, Brother Boyd. You and Sister Boyd. And Brother Boyd will be speaking in our a banquet tonight. You don't want to miss it. Well, if you if you don't have a ticket, you're going to miss it. You got already have it. So, but we're going to have a great time tonight at the Christmas banquet. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the brother Glosser, good to see the sister Glosser with you. No, but good to see you in church with us tonight. I know she had surgery and all, and we're glad to have you back. God bless you. Uh, I want you to look with me in this scripture here. This is where Jesus was. Uh, was talking to some of those Pharisees and Sadducees and those who were really trying to accuse him of being nothing more than just another man. 
And Jesus said these words in verse 39, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Jesus said this. So he was telling those Jews, go search the scriptures. Uh, I'm in there. They talk about me. So in that Old Testament, there are many scriptures that talk about the coming of Christ, both the first time and also yet the second time too. So I'm going to uh, talk about some of the scriptures here in a few moments. I want you to also look with me, if you would, in the book of Luke. Now, this is where he talked to his own disciples privately, his own disciples privately. Look in 24, 25, Luke 24, 25. I guess we've got scriptures over here. And it says here, then he said unto them, O fools, this was the disciples that he was talking to. And uh, this is what he says to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all. Look at the word all. If you have your Bibles, put a ring around the word all. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And of course, he was saying all of this following his resurrection when he had met with his disciples following it. And then verse 27, this is very interesting. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right? Now, I'm going to uh, have you go with me to the scripture where he talked about, where Moses spoke about him. Is everybody still with me on this now? Everybody still with me? Now, I want you to go with me, if you would, to uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter. This is a very important verse of scripture. Deuteronomy uh, 1815 Deuteronomy 1815 and if you don't hear anything else that I'm going to be teaching this morning don't lose what I'm going to be telling you here in a few moments I'm going to show you why it was essential it is essential that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved you've got to believe but you have first and foremost above everything else you've got to believe in Jesus you've got to believe in Jesus now look at verse 15. This is Moses speaking. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. Okay, he's prophesying here about Jesus' coming. And he says, you are to hearken unto him. And then verse 16 is interesting. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. All right, now before I go any further, I'm going to have you go over to the, uh, to the uh, book of uh, Exodus, look at verse, uh, chapter 19. And what uh, Deuteronomy and Moses is referring to is when God gave the Ten Commandments at the foot of Mount Sinai. And it's recorded here in Exodus 19. Now stay with me on this, folks, because I got something really good to give you here. And it says this in the first verse. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they unto the wilderness of Sinai. Then it says in verse 3, And Moses went up unto God. 
And then I'm going to skip on down to verse 5. I'm just saving time here. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. This is the Lord telling Israel that. Now, verse 8, I'm reading this, skipping some verses, reading the impertinent ones here. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. Verse 11, And be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And then verse 16, It came to pass on the third day in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled, trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. I'm giving you a picture here. This is a vivid picture here from the Word telling us what happened. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a, a voice. And Moses spake, and the Lord, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon the Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Now, in the 20th chapter, I'm just saving time, in the 20th chapter, the Lord gives the Ten Commandments to Israel by voice. He speaks them forth from the top of that mountain, and he, he says it. They hear it. They know it's coming from heaven. They know it's coming from God. But it scares the daylights out of them. And it would have you and me, I'm sure, if we had been there. It would have me, I'm sure. God, you know, the smoke, the trumpet, the fire, the earthquake, everything, the power of God manifested. And whenever it, it all happened and the Ten Commandments was finally given, in verse 17 is the last of the Ten Commandments that God gave verbally. Now later, God wrote it on stone and Moses took it down. He saw the children of Israel sinning and he threw the stones down. He was so angry and they broke. And the Lord said, all right, go back up for another 40 days. And this time... Uh, God had Moses to write the Ten Commandments in stone. He gave him the stone to now put the Ten Commandments on there. Moses had to do it himself because he broke the first one. Look at verse 18, though, in this 20 here. This is Exodus 20 and 18. This is where you find the Ten Commandments. It's found here in uh, Exodus chapter 20 and also Deuteronomy chapter 5. It gives the Ten Commandments in detail. Now, this is what it says here in verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, now look at this closely, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. In other words, you tell us what God says and that's good enough for us. We just don't wanna hear from God no more. It's too scary. He's too dynamic, it's too powerful. Whatever you say, we'll believe. 
And so they made the statement themselves. They determined that. So later on in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to go back over here to Deuteronomy when he talks about the coming of Christ. Look at this very closely. And he says here, there's going to be one like me. I'm in verse 15 here. And there be a prophet from among thy brother like me unto him. And you shall hearken. And then he says in verse 16, and he's referring back to Exodus, that experience that they had at the foot of Mount Sinai. He says here, according to all that thou desires of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day Horeb was one of the peaks of Mount Sinai. In Horeb in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said unto me, this is Moses speaking now, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. God said, okay, they requested that, I'm going to honor that. They have asked for it. I'm going to honor that. And then he says in verse 18, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren. This is the Lord speaking now, like unto thee. He's speaking now to Moses. And will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Now, this is the Lord saying when the prophet comes, he calls the prophet here, it'd be the Messiah as we know, Messiah Son of God, however way you want to determine it. And goes on to say here in the last verse, and it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. In other words, God says, I'm going to require him if he doesn't hear what Jesus will say when he comes or the Messiah will say when he comes. Everybody stay with me. Okay. So that when Jesus came, he was not going to come dynamically. He would not come that way. It was already determined back here, way back here under Moses. And Jesus, and then God said, whenever the Messiah comes, you hear him. Just like you decided to hear Moses only. You don't want to, you don't want to hear straight from me. You want to hear him. Now, uh, if you look with me uh, very quickly over here in Acts chapter 3. Look in Acts uh, 3 uh, and 2. 22, I'm sorry. Acts 3, uh, 3 and verse 22 here. I'm sorry, thank you. It says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. He's actually quoting from that scripture that we just read to you over here in Deuteronomy. And then he adds to that, and over here in Deuteronomy where we said, and he shall speak in his name and I will require it of him. This is what he says in the book of Acts. Uh, And he says here in verse 23, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So what I am pointing out to you here is that this prophecy of the coming of Christ praise the Lord through Moses, was that he would come, the Messiah would come, and if you're going to be saved, you've got to hear him. The Lord's not going to do anything from heaven. It's not going to be some lightning and flashing and fire and everything like that. You've got to listen to Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's why when Jesus came, folks, what he said was so vitally important, and the people had to believe Jesus. It was already determined. Because the Jews themselves determined it, it would be that way. 
And let me go a little bit further. I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment to show you that. It's also required of us the same thing. We have to believe in the Lord. Now, believe is not just here getting, putting it in your brain, but believing is acting upon your faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, for instance. You know, uh, the Bible talks about faith. By faith, they kept the Passover. That means they went through all the, the procedure of the Passover. Uh, by faith, they walked around the walls of Jericho. They didn't just, by faith, sit on the side of the hill and waited for the walls to fall. You understand what I'm saying? There was actions involved. By faith, Abraham left the land of, uh, of the, the, between the rivers of Ur and all that and, and came over to Palestine. So it does require an action on our part. Uh, the acts of salvation are acts, praise the Lord, of faith. In other words, when I repent, that's an act of faith. I believe, then I repent. Now, you're not going to repent if you don't believe. So believing requires an action. Praise the Lord. So repentance is an act of faith. Being baptized in Jesus' name is an act of faith. He that, re- that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism doth now save us. It's not just something that boomerangs around in our head. We say, oh, I believe, and that's it. That's all there is to it. No, no, we have to act upon it. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, without his spirit, we're none of his, and so forth. And so uh, we have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost as well. So what I'm doing is pointing out some of these things to you here so that you understand here how important it is. Now, here's another interesting verse of Scripture I'm going to read in the book of Hebrews that's related to that same event, same time. And it says here in uh, Hebrews 12, 18, 12, 18. For you're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that might burn with fire nor unto blackness. He's talking now to the to the uh, Hebrew Christians. These are Jewish Christians of the early church. They're all Christians, but they're also Jews. And Paul, it's believed that Paul was the author here of Hebrews, that he was writing unto them specifically, not to Gentile churches, but to the Hebrews or to the Jews. So he says here, for you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burneth with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. In other words, they knew all about that because they they knew the law of Moses and so forth. He goes on to say in the 19th verse, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard uh, entreated that the word should not speak and be spoken to them anymore. In other words, he's referring back to that. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dark. And verse 21, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Now, verse 25, look at this one. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Now, this is, but this, is, uh, this is Paul now talking to the New Testament church. You understand with? See that thou refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, that is Moses, much more shall, we, shall not we escape if we turn away from him, that is Jesus, that speaketh from heaven. Praise the Lord. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that this is why that we must believe on the Lord. And sometimes, folks, let me say this. Sometimes you would just like to hear God move. Let me just talk to you a little bit. Sometimes you just want God to step on the scene. You got a crisis, you got a situation, you got a circumstances, things are just going on in your life or in your family or whatever it is. And man, if God would just show up, you know, but he doesn't. 
And sometimes we're just like, and sometimes somebody's really giving us a hard time. You know, I, you know, some, all of us have been through some persecution of one type or another somewhere for something in serving God. And we just wish God just take care of it, you know. It's like those disciples with Jesus walking one time through Samaria and the, these uh, people came along and was ch- chiding with them and caring on and mocking them and everything. And they said, Lord, why don't you call fire down from heaven and consume them? And Jesus said, you know not what spirit you are of, you know. They're, they're, they wanted to see, you know, something happen. This is what happened to Elijah. Listen closely to me. Elijah called fire down from heaven, you know, consumed the sacrifice, poured water all over it, had a great victory. And then he walked, he went away, the spirit of God lifted from him. He was feeling victory, thought, well, Israel's hearts turned back to God. And then Jezebel, the queen of Israel, that is the northern kingdom of Israel. Judah was a separate nation at this time. Israel was divided into two nations. This was the northern one called Israel and the southern one called Judah. That queen uh, that was there in that Ahab's wife, Ahab was a Jew, but his wife was a, a Zidonian and she was a pagan and she did not respect Israel's God or Israel's uh, religion or nothing about it. She despised it. She had her own prophets and her own people. Man. She found out that Elijah had killed a bunch of her prophets or had him killed down by the river. And she said, says, go tell him and get word to him that when I catch him, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take his life and everything. And she went after him, not she personally, but she sent people after him. Elijah, the spirit having lifted, fled. He said, oh my God, Went down the way, went to Beersheba, left his servant there, and he said, you stay here. And then he went on down into the desert, in the wilderness, they called it. Went on down in the wilderness and everything, and crawled up under a sycamore tree, went to sleep. And he woke up, and there was a fire room there, some food on the table, and there was an angel there. Woke him up, said, Elijah, get up. And he, he woke up, he ate, and went back to sleep again. And after a while, he woke up again. He was just wore out, tired. Angel woke up again and said, here's some more food for you. You're going to need it because you're headed for for Mount Sinai. You know what Elijah wanted? He wanted to go down to Mount Sinai and see if God would show up again. He he was going to plead with God and say, God, you know, Israel really needs you now. You know, that that northern kingdom, we we need you bad. I mean, it's, it's just going down the tube fast. And there's, there's nobody hardly is left. And this Jezebel, she's a, she's a wicked, uh, not even of Israel at all. And, and she despises everything about you. That's what he wanted to tell God. And God, if you just show Israel your, your great glory and power, just show up and scare them to death, shake them up good. That's what he wanted. So he went on down to Mount Sinai, found a cave, got in it. And the Lord spoke to him in a, in a, uh, in the word of the Lord came to him, it says, not the voice, but a word. The word said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he said, all the, all the prophets are dead. And I'm the only one left and they seek my life. And there's nobody left that's wanting to serve you, God. And in essence, he was saying, God, we just need to hear from you dynamically. Now, has anybody ever felt that way in, in your, your walk with God? You ever felt like, you know, God, if you just really, just show up in a powerful way, you know. Just do something. And, and so he wrapped himself up in some clothes and the Lord came. That was a great wind, the Bible says. A wind came, 
so great that it rent the mountain, split the mountain, the wind, and it rent rocks, and it was a mighty wind, but God was not in the wind. And then there was a fire, and the fire came and just burned and popped and snapped and fire. And he waited, oh, God's in this, and I'm going to hear from God now. God's showing himself in his great power. He says, God was not in the fire. And then there was an earthquake. Everything shook like crazy. He said, God's in this now. God's in it. And God was not there and not dead. And then when it was all over with, the Bible says the voice of the Lord came to Elijah in a still, small voice. Hallelujah. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here, folks, today is that the greatest thing we have is the word of God and the teachings of Jesus Christ and then those passed along to us by the apostles, by the apostles through the New Testament. Amen. That's what the apostles did. They passed along to us Jesus' teachings and his word in that New Testament. Praise God. The gospel is all about his life and his teachings, his ministry, his parables, his words. And then the epistles are what the apostles are saying. Here's now how you're to live and this is what Jesus meant for us to do and do and say This is why the word of God is so wonderful and so powerful. Don't you let the word of God get away from you. Make a habit of reading it on a regular basis. Make a habit of studying the word of God. Make it a point to want to see the word of God often. Uh, In your devotion, have a time that you spend with the Lord where you read the word. If you don't know where to start, start with Psalms. Just start in Psalms. I still read Psalms a lot. And just and read Psalms. Start. This is a good time. I don't know if we have a program on this, but it'd be a good one to have in this church. And that is the first of the year coming up. Start reading the Bible through again. Some of you have read the Bible all the way through. And we have a program where you can read the Bible all the way through. I think about three chapters, three chapters a day will put you through the Bible in one year. You know, uh, sometimes we have a system where we read part Old Testament and part New Testament, part Old and New, so that it's not all Old Testament, then you finally you get to the New Testament, maybe around in June or July or August, wherever that is, and you're just sort of tired and you sort of drop it and fall by the wayside and you never get to the New Testament, you know. So I'm just saying, but have a system by which you read the Word of God and let God talk to your heart. When you read the Word, He talks to us. And when we pray, we talk to Him. Praise the Lord. So I'm just telling you here that we've got to believe all that Jesus. So that's why Jesus said, search the scriptures in them and you think you have eternal life for they are they which testify of me. And he told his disciples now, all those prophets had a lot to say. Now there are many verses in the Bible that are very clear that this is speaking of Jesus and his coming. There are some verses, praise the Lord, that's a little bit, it, it, can, be, it can be either way. But if you look at it closely, It is also about Jesus, especially whenever he was being harassed and challenged and uh, persecuted by those that Pharisees and Sadducees uh, because they did not believe in him. The Pharisees were, were a fundamental group, all very strict, very strict, so strict that they were beyond the word of God, beyond the word of God. In other words, they believe in keeping the Sabbath day even if something better God was doing was done on the Sabbath day, you know. They found fault with Jesus for healing and doing miracles and things on the Sabbath day. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. 
They didn't even believe in the resurrection. And so Jesus had to contend with them on that. They were a sort of a liberal bunch and so forth. And they were more or less in the high societies of, of, of Israel at that time. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here, all of this boils down to the fact that we must believe in Jesus Christ and we've got to keep the Lord, praise the Lord, as our Lord and Savior and believe his word, follow his word, and trust in his word, praise the Lord. Now, uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to move into one of the sets of scriptures that deals with the coming of Christ. Everybody still with me? Now, he says, search the scriptures for there, they which testify of me. And so there are many verses of scripture that talks about the coming of Christ. I've only got about 10 minutes left here this morning. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the coming of Christ for his birth, okay? And this is to do with his identity. The first thing that Jesus gave them was to know who would the Messiah be? This prophet that Moses talked about, who would he be, you know? You want to know who he'd be? Let's look at it. Let's take a quick look. I want you to go with me, if you would, to uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. 7, 14. I'm sort of shifting gears here a little bit. Look at 714. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now I'm not going to get into the part about the virgin right now because that's more to do with the Christmas story itself and we'll be dealing with that in a week or two. But the, the, the latter part of that, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, God with us. And what the Lord was saying here, in essence, I'm going to give you a sign, and this was given by Isaiah. This was given, uh, this would be way back there. And Isaiah said, a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us so that when the Messiah would come and the son would be born, he would be God with us. So right away we see an identity here of the coming of the Messiah to be God with us. Wow, what a powerful thing that is. Now, while you're right there in Isaiah and you're there in chapter 7, turn over to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 6. This is one that many of you know very well. Isaiah 9, 6. And uh, look at it very closely here. For unto us, unto us a child is born. Now, the other one said a son is given. Uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking over here, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son. Over here now, this one says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is verse 6 now of 9. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. You notice that? And whatever his name would be, Jesus as we know it was and is, whatever his name would be, he would be the mighty God. This is an identity of who the Messiah would be. So that no Jew had to be in darkness. He could look at Isaiah here and said, the child is born, the son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder. And his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. They could say, oh my God, this is the mighty God. Or they could read over in the previous verse that I just read to you, and they could say, it's God with us. This Messiah is going to be God with us. And then he goes on to say here, 
the everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Now, the mighty God, it means he's the creator of all things. He made all things. Everything that exists came into existence because God spoke it into existence. The mighty God. But the everlasting Father, he is the life giver to everything. He's given life to everything. You exist because God gave you existence. Amen. We breathe and have our existence and walk around, have our senses about us, everything, because God has granted us that. That's why he's due all the praise and worship. When people say, oh, you know, God just won't praise or God just wants people to worship. No, no, no. He is worthy. He's due it. Not worthy is almost a almost a, a, sh- a shortcoming of it. Sure, he's worth it. Naturally, he's worth it. What do you mean he's worth it? I'm to determine whether he's worth it or not? He's worthy of it? No. Yeah, and we should give God praise. When you come to church, this is why praise is so in order. And if anything else, folks, thank God. Thank him that you can breathe. Thank him that you woke up this morning. Thank him that you took a breath of air. Thank him that you can see. Thank him, praise the Lord, that you can get on your clothes. Thank him you can be in church. Thank him for your family. Thank him, just thank him for your home, for the car you drive. Thank him for the clothes you wear. Thank him for uh, children, grandchildren, uh, uh, everything. I mean, it goes on and on. What do you can thank him for? And so I'm just saying here today, God is worthy of all of our praise because he is the everlasting father. But it also identified that when the Messiah would come, this is who he would be. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let me just refer to a few scriptures here in the, old, in the New Testament to sort of uh, put a substantiation on that. Look in Colossians. I'm looking at Colossians 2.9. Look at this very quickly. And I'm, I'm just giving you here in a few minutes here uh, a little mini Bible study that I could teach on for six weeks. And most of you well know that. And many of you already know it. But I'm saying this for the sake of any of you that don't understand. Jesus Christ was the mighty God. You say, oh, I thought he was the son of God. He was the son of God and the mighty God. He's all of it. He's all of it. Look at this verse of scripture. I'll show it to you. Look at 2, 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of God is in Jesus Christ, all of it. And look at verse 10, and ye are complete in him. If you got Jesus, you got it all. You got the Father, you got the Son, you got the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, you got everything. There is no Trinity in him. I just want to just tip you off. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible. The word Trinity, you know, comes from ancient paganism. I can show you all that stuff. I've got all kind of writings and literature on it, stuff that I've, studied over the years. I can give you books and everything. I got stacks of books that teach all about that stuff. And uh, it's just books written by people who are secular people. They, they, they are not religious or trying to get through. It's just common knowledge, archaeologists and so forth. And there is no such thing as Trinity. That's a fabricated thing. That was fabricated in 325 AD. The Nicene Council to try to come together with some kind of understanding about God by men who apparently were short on having the spirit to help them to understand that Jesus Christ was the mighty God and had it all. Greater than what even our minds can comprehend the greatness of God. Let me move on here. It says, you are complete in him, verse 10, which is the head of all principalities and powers. So you've got Jesus Christ. In essence, you have got it all. Praise God. And then, uh, if you will... uh, 
There's a scripture. Yeah, let me go to this verse of scripture. My time is getting away from me here. Look at verse 4. Look at, uh, look at uh, John 14. Look at John 14. John 14, 6. This is the one that we're all very familiar with. And I'm sort of jumping ahead here to, because our time is gone. Jesus said unto I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now remember that. If you've got a, your Bible, underline that. You can't come to Jesus through Mohammed. You can't come to Jesus through Buddha. You can't come to him through uh, some, you know, uh, some, some, some other God. You've got to come to Jesus Christ. You've got to come to God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get to God is through Jesus. There is no other. You know, they got all kind of Mahabira. They got all kinds of people out there that's lived and people follow them as God. It says here, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto unto the Father, but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Seen him. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. And when he's teaching this, he's talking to just his disciples, not to all the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it satisfies us. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, I have been a long time, so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. He doeth the works. The Father in me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sakes. And in other verses of Scripture that the Lord refers to. John, for instance, 12 45, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. And it goes on and on. There's all kind of verses. I'm just hitting on a few of them here. Uh, I, this is uh, in John, uh, uh, John 10 and 30. I and my father are one. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that the identity of Christ was found in that Old Testament prophecy. And when Jesus would come, it would be almighty God. And what they had to do was to hear him. Whatever he would say, that would be the answer. And for you and I, we have to believe Jesus. You've got to trust in him. Praise the Lord. And don't, don't uh, say, oh, God, I don't know. This is getting tough. I don't know. If you could just reveal yourself, you would show yourself. It may not happen. To, to take his word. I'm going to tell you what. You'll find the answer in the word of God. Don't you love the Lord this morning? Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Let's just stand together and praise God and thank him for his goodness and glory here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love your name. We praise you for truth and salvation. We ask you, God, to bless each and every one of us here this morning. Bless the morning service, God. Let your presence be poured out to us. In thy precious and holy name we pray. Amen.